The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Wrapping up the week and heading into the weekend, the fourth Sunday of the NFL regular season is upon us. Shereen Williams, Mike Florio here with PFTPM. Get you all the latest news and information, analysis, and otherwise prepared for 12 games this Sunday because one of the games will be played a little bit later, hopefully. Good afternoon, Shereen. How are you today? I'm good, Mike. It's Friday. Getting ready for week four and excited about this weekend. Yeah, some great games this weekend. Great games every weekend so far this year. Not enough games played yet to have any obvious stinkers other than the one that we saw last night. But last night was still a good game. It was just hard to get excited about it because both teams aren't very good. But it still was an exciting game that went down to the wire, sort of. A game that we hope goes down to the wire on Sunday in Kansas City. The Patriots come to town. Cam Newton faces Patrick Mahomes for the first time in their respective careers. And earlier today... Bill Belichick, coach of the Patriots, continuing to do what he didn't do all that often with his quarterback of 20 years, publicly heap praise on Cam Newton. Cam, Cam does a great job of connecting with everybody, uh, whether it's his teammates, his receivers, guys on defense, you know, other people in the organization. Um, you know, again, I think the, the captain voting, not that that's the ultimate, um, you know, that's the, the the final you know determination of leadership but i think the fact that he has been here a pretty short amount of time and earned that type of uh respect and support from his teammates is is pretty impressive um so but you know i think it's across the board it's the offensive line it's the receivers it's all the offensive players and coaches and um you know and extends into other areas as well and special teams and defense and other people in the organization i think that we've all seen that and um it's impressive it's impressive and he's you know he's here a lot um he's in the building and he's you know he's he's visible he's in, in sight and it's connecting with people on a you know as as much as anybody as much as any player he's in a building more than any player in a, on a team but you know he spends a lot of time you know talking and connecting and and building relationships with those people. And, I mean, he has tremendous leadership, so it's very impressive. Great stuff from Bill Belichick about his quarterback, Cam Newton. And I need to say one thing before we break down the merits. And I, at the risk of angering some who think we have far more important things to worry about in this world than what Bill Belichick wears to a press conference, can we please pull up a still frame? Because I have many questions. Well, I have one specific question. What? Can we get that? Can we get that place? What in the hell was going on with the thing that he was wearing over the T-shirt. And thank God he wore the T-shirt. Thank God he had a T-shirt on under this thing that it looks like rats nod away at the neck. What is that? That's not a fashion statement. What is that? I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Is there a message here? Is there a deeper meaning? How in the world does a guy who's making upwards of $20 million per year put that on and say, I'm good. I'm ready. Let's go. I don't get it, Shereen. Can you help me understand it? I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And I was going to go there if you didn't go there, because I think Subway needs a new commercial with cutting off, cutting <laughs> off the collar of shirts instead of just cutting off the sleeves of shirts. I have never seen him wear something like that before. No hoodie. And we can't tell if the sleeves are cut off or not. But that's really a bad look. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the point is. I don't know if there was supposed to be something else on top of it. I just look to the extent that Bill Belichick is trying to confuse and confound anyone who would be paying attention to his press conferences. Mission accomplished, Bill, because I don't know what the hell that was. But I do know what the <laughs> contents were. High praise for Cam Newton. And they, they, they got one of the greatest steals of all time, Shereen, didn't they? And they played it the right way. Yes. They waited until he was on the market for nearly three months. 
No one else had any idea that they wanted him. No one else was competing for his services. They swoop in. They get a deal that pays a maximum of $7.5 million, basically if he's the regular season and Super Bowl MVP. And he's combining great performance on the field with great leadership off the field. And I remember someone telling me before the first game of the regular season, no one can replace Tom Brady in this organization, but... Cam Newton may be the closest thing that we ever find to it. And he fell right into their laps right after Tom Brady left. Boy, is he going to get a lot of money in the offseason? And and if he makes all of his money this season, Mike, we know that the Patriots have had another incredible season and have just cemented their legacy if it's not already cemented, and it is. But just to do it with another quarterback would be incredible. But they're playing like that. They're really good. And I think the most impressive thing to me is is how they've designed their offense every week to match what the opponent does. Week one, it was a read option heavy offense. Week two, it was a lot of downfield passing. Week three, it was more traditional rushing attack. Every week, it's been something different. And Josh McDaniels has done a great job. I think he's a candidate right now after three weeks for uh, assistant coach of the year because it's been outstanding with what he's done with Cam Newton. Now, we know the big question is, can Cam stay healthy? And I'm not jinxing him. I'm just saying, based on the last two years, that's going to be the key thing going forward for Cam Newton and this offense. Well, if he gets injured, a lot of us will be blamed for jinxing him because that's been the question that keeps coming up over and over again. That offense they're running, as Andy Reid pointed out earlier this week, it's based on what Josh McDaniels concocted in Denver for Tim Tebow. If it's blocked properly, the quarterback isn't at the same kind of risk that he otherwise would be. And when you go back and watch some of these games, the runs, most of them for Cam Newton, he's not taking big hits. And it's hard to give the guy big hits because he's so large. But this weekend, the challenge is going to be can he throw if that's what they're giving him? If he can't run the ball, can he get the ball down the field? Can he do more than Lamar Jackson did throwing the ball against the Kansas City defense? And one bit of good news for the Patriots, potentially, Chris Jones, star defensive tackle, has a groin injury, questionable for the game. Even if he plays, it sounds like there's going to be some sort of a limitation. So maybe the defense not as potent on Sunday as it was on Monday night, Shereen. Yeah, that is good news to the Patriots if that happens, and he's certainly not going to be 100%. And we saw him wreck havoc, uh, and he didn't even play the entire game on Monday night a- against the-, the Ravens. He went out with that groin injury and was gimpy and still forced two fumbles and two sacks and-, and was incredible all over the field. And he was my defensive player of the week for what he and that Chiefs defense did, and they just bottled up Lamar Jackson, and they looked to do the same against Cam Newton. But You know, you got a mastermind on the other side who's going to look at what happened Monday night and try to figure out how to uh, take that Kansas City defense and tear it apart. And he's done it to many defenses over the years. I just wish this game was being played later in the year because I feel like the Patriots are going to be a lot better come November and December than they are now, just like the Seahawks game. And even though the Patriots are the team I picked to make it out of the AFC to the Super Bowl, I expect them to lose on Sunday, and maybe they'll make it close. Maybe it'll be like the Seahawks game where they're down 10 or more points and they rally late. And I think we need to see Cam Newton in a setting like that where things maybe aren't going as well as expected, and and he wills his his way back into it, kind of like they almost did in Seattle where they almost came back and won the game. So it's going to be a tough challenge. Chiefs are doing whatever they want to do offensively. The question is, can you do enough offensively to outscore the Kansas the city chiefs the san francisco 49ers have been doing enough to win games albeit against not great teams with pretty much everyone on the team injured good news george kittle back after missing two games with a knee injury and debo samuel who was great last year in his rookie season as a receiver and also running the ball as a receiver he makes his season debut this weekend sunday night football shireen eagles coming to town 49ers get another favorable spot on the schedule as they try to get some guys healthy before they get some tough games. And there is a spot coming up where the 49ers are going to be tested week in and week out for like five straight weeks. Get your wins while you can. Get healthy while you can because the storm is coming. And it's still impressive, Mike, with what they've been able to do with as many starters as they've had out. They've had uh, 10 starters out last week. I know it was the Giants. I get it. But still, to, to do what they did and beat that team, it is an NFL team, 
without 10 projected starters is pretty incredible to me. It just shows you how deep they are at so many different positions that they can just continually lose guys and bounce back. There aren't many teams in the NFL that can lose their starting quarterback and, and play like they did last week. But I don't know if you remember this or not, and I do only because I think it's being proved right right now, is we, we had a discussion about the teams with the best group of quarterbacks, and I picked the 49ers. And this is the reason I picked the 49ers, because I thought a lot of Nick Mullins after the way he played in 2018. And then you look at their third quarterback, C.J. Beathard, maybe the best third quarterback in football. And I just don't think they lose a lot when they put Nick Mullins in there for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo. But Nick Mullins is a really good, talented backup quarterback. And, you know, in 2018, when he played those eight games, he targeted George Kittle 29% of the time. And he loves George Kittle. So I think you're going to see a lot of Kittle this week from Nick Mullins. Well, here's Kittle talking about Nick Mullins, who'll be in yet again for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, you guys know I love I love Nick. Um, I, he's the same every single day, and that's why I love him. And even when he's at practice, it feels like it's a game with him, and that, that's what I love about him. He just always he's always locked in, um, and he's always just ready to roll. And um, he is a leader out there. You know, he um, he leads in a different way. He just you know leads with his play, which is what I respect. He never messes up. He's just there. He's consistent. And he just works hard. And I think that's that's just what our team responds well to is just guys that go out there, they do their job, they do it at a high level. And that's what Nick does every single day. Um, you know, I love watching Nick play. I mean, we have a connection. I mean, I love all three of our quarterbacks. I think they're all great QBs. And um, getting the chance to play with Nick again, I'm excited about it, um, you know, because it's BDN and he's a great QB. Look, it's a system-driven offense, and Nick Mullins has been in the system for several years now. He knows it well. He knows how to do what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. And the whole idea is if you have a quarterback who can and will do what Kyle Shanahan expects on any given play, the offense will work. There isn't a lot of discretion. There isn't a lot of freelancing. It's A, B, C, D, do what you're expected to do. And if you make the decisions that you're told to make ahead of time when you see certain things, when you focus on your keys, it will work, and you will end up being a good quarterback and Nick Mullins doing it so far for the San Francisco 49ers. But Shereen, I mentioned this schedule and they're starting a three-game homestand. They get the Eagles and then the Dolphins and then the fun begins. Although it may prompt another word that begins with F for the 49ers. The Rams, at the Patriots, at the Seahawks, the Packers, at the Saints, by week at the Rams. The Bills. What in the world are they looking at from week six through week 13? So fatten up while you can because it could be. We remember last year when they had that horrific stretch of like three games and we were like, man, what are they going to do? It's like seven games this year. That's a tough schedule when you start breaking it down. You're right. They better win the uh, the. the- first five and they got some on the back end that that look winnable although you know you look at the Cardinals have already beaten them and the Cowboys could beat them and you know Washington's not going to be easy and see that rest of that schedule after that Dolphins game starting with week six is just a gauntlet and it's going to be very tough and I like the 49ers I think they have a really good team I think it's going to be very very difficult for them to uh, repeat in that division. I do think they get to the playoffs, but that's just tough. And it's going to be week after week after week. And within as many injuries as they had, if they're not healthy, it's going to make it even that much harder. And speaking of the Seattle Seahawks, star safety Jamal Adams, who exited fourth quarter of the win over the Dallas Cowboys, groin injury will not play. The team has said he's day to day. Well, seven days after the injury, he's not yet ready to go. And that's not good for a defense that has not been playing like the Legion of Boom used to play. Pete Carroll, coach of the team, talking about the many defensive breakdowns the Seahawks have endured through three weeks this season. We have to quit making the errors that, that come from the newness and the guys you know, not being out there together. And you know, It's been sloppy uh, at times. And, and uh, 
the, the communication has not been, you know, as effective as it needs to be. We're trying and we're working at it and the principles are there and, and all that. But we, we've had a few breakdowns that, you know, we give a regular routine play uh, access to the end zone, you know, it's just this is wrong. Getting beat over the top is a different story. But when the plays come across the field and we're in zone and they make touchdowns, that's not supposed to ever happen. You know, sometimes we look we look like we haven't been practicing a whole lot on the back end. So we have been. So we just have to do better. And, uh, and we, you know, I really can't imagine that we're not going to do this a whole lot better here in the coming weeks. You know, Shereen, something I've said all week long, when you have a quarterback that's having the historic start to the season that Russell Wilson is having, usually the team is winning and winning big. They need Russell Wilson to play at an MVP level to barely win games. They barely beat the Patriots. They barely held off the Cowboys because the defense is so bad. It has to be driving Pete Carroll crazy. But really, if they weren't letting Russ cook, I, and, and this is this is what's fascinating to me. You know, if you play a ball control style of offense, your defense does look a lot better because it's not on the field as often. If you're scoring a lot of points, your defense is on for more drives, your defense is giving up more yards, your defense is giving up more points, and all of a sudden when you start looking at the rankings, your defense isn't quite as good. And that's the life that they're living now. But with what Russell Wilson is doing, you'd think that the Seahawks would be winning games comfortably, not by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, we're not used to seeing this in Seattle, and I know Pete Carroll's not used to seeing it. We're used to seeing Seattle defense is one of the best defenses in football, and they're not. They're 32nd in total defense, 32nd against the pass, and they thought they had fixed some things with a couple of trades they made at the safety position, including getting Jamal Adams. But even with him, they're 32nd and just keep giving up points and keep giving up yards. and. And all of those things. And they've got to play better on defense. I, I don't know if a team, I'm, I'm betting the answer is no, a team that ranked 32nd in total defense has ever won a Super Bowl. But they better get it shored up. And they better start getting pressure on the quarterback. That's the key to a good secondary is getting pressure on the quarterback. They haven't been able to do that. They could have signed Alden Smith. They didn't do that. They could have re-signed Jadavion Clowney. They didn't do that. And now they are where they are with their pass rush, really not getting to the quarterback consistently and really putting that secondary in harm's way uh, with the quarterbacks that they've played. So they've got to figure out what to do now. You know, the, the Seahawks more than any other team are in on every single person. And I don't know who they might trade for, but I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibilities that they could go find them a pass rusher. I realize they don't have a lot of draft equity, but find a pass rusher somewhere from some other team to come in and help them because that, to me, is the key for this defense. They've got to get pressure on the quarterback. You know, we're not far away from the trade deadline. It's the Tuesday after week eight, but something that just occurred to me with extra playoff teams this year, teams that otherwise would have been done at the trade deadline aren't really done right now and may not be willing to fold the tents. So if we're going to have 14 playoff teams, maybe we move the trade deadline back to week 10. It moved from week six to week eight, the Tuesday after week six to the Tuesday after week eight a few years ago. It may be time to think about that because there may be less activity because it's not going to be as easy to see the standing, see the schedule, see the seating and say, we're done. The difference though, teams that aren't going to have fans anyway. They don't feel compelled to make sure that they're trying because it's not like you need to placate the people who are paying good money to show up and watch the games and not having a fire sale. So the other side of it for this year, you may see teams more likely to say, yeah, we're not mathematically eliminated, but who wants to be the number seven seed and get the crap kicked out of you in that extra game? We'll just get what we can for our best players and start thinking about the future. The future is now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after picking up Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Gronk after having two catches the first two games of the season had six for 48 against the Broncos on Sunday he still looks like he's running in mud and they're doing their damnedest to get him in football shape and you know what Shireen this weekend they may need him against the Chargers because Chris Godwin out with a hamstring injury and Leonard Fournette ankle injury will not play they've got Mike Evans but without Godwin there may be some more opportunities for Gronk in the passing game. Yeah, and Scotty Miller, too. He's questionable with that hip injury, and he's been among the favorite targets of Tom Brady so far. They've seemed to have found a quick connection. 
And he leads the team with 167 yards. So if those guys don't play, and we know the other two aren't going to play, if Scotty Miller doesn't play either, uh, then, then they may need, may need a big dose of Gronkowski this week, and maybe O.J. Howard, and maybe Cameron Brait, and maybe this is the weekend the tight ends break out for uh, the Tampa Buccaneers. But I I'm with you. I just don't think he's looked like the Gronk we remember. And whether it's he's lost his legs a little bit or that you're off, there's still some rust that you're trying to put away. I think that's what we're going to find out going forward here. But he just has looked like he's moved in slow motion, hasn't been where he's supposed to be, and all of those things that we're so used to seeing that connection between he and Tom Brady. And it just hasn't been there so far. Yeah, I mean, they've been going at it for two months now. At what point do you expect him to be at his maximum? When is it fair for us to say, Gronk? You either are going to get to being the guy you were or you're not ever. And we'll find out maybe as soon as this weekend, maybe next week. I don't know when it's fair to expect him to be at his maximum. But, Shereen, they've got Sunday and they've got Thursday night coming up. And that quick turnaround, that's going to be even more of a test on Gronk's overall fitness. Can he get back to being the guy that he was when he's got to play two games in five days? Yeah, and – it's key for him to see if he can do that quick turnaround. It also will be helpful if they can get Godwin back. And I'm not trying to wind you up here, but he's already missed the game with the concussion. Now he's missing the game with the hamstring. He missed the last two games of last season uh, with the hamstring. <laughs> yeah, here we go. And, and so you need you need Godwin back in there for this team. I mean, he's a number one receiver. We all know they had over 1,300 yards last season. So you'd like to see Godwin back in the lineup to go with Mike Evans. All I will say about that, until you get the financial security that comes with your second contract, there is no reason to put yourself at extra risk. There is no reason to play if you are anything less than 100% while you are carrying the risk of injury and while the team refuses to give you a contract that results in the organization accepting the injury risk. Alvin Kamara, case in point, something Sims and I have been talking about all season. He's playing with a reckless abandon this year. Why? Because he's not carrying the injury risk. The team is. If he gets injured, he still gets paid. And he gets paid well, so he's willing to go out there and play hard because he doesn't have to worry about his financial security evaporating in the event that he suffers a serious injury. All right. The Washington football team hosting a desperate Ravens team. Desperate not in the wins and losses sense, but just kind of desperate to get their swagger back after having their balloon burst on Monday night by the Kansas City Chiefs. Chase Young will not be playing for the Washington football team this weekend because of a groin injury he suffered. And, you know, Shireen, that front seven, I love to see what they can do against great quarterbacks. They weren't able to get it done against Kyler Murray. They were able to get it done against Carson Wentz. I want them at full force against Lamar Jackson just to see strength on strength. How do they do? But even without Chase Young, they still got some guys that can maybe give Lamar Jackson a hard time. They got four first-rounders still in there that they're throwing at you, and it's nice to have Ryan Kerrigan who you can throw in. Oh, yeah, Chase Young's out. Let's throw in Ryan Kerrigan and give him more snaps and put him in there opposite Montez Sweat. And so they do keep throwing them at you, but it's not as good as if you would have Chase Young in there. I just think he's been so disruptive uh, for a rookie to come in and really do what he's done, two and a half sacks so far, and just really gotten after the quarterback. It's been impressive. And, and this is what you expect, I understand, when you use the number two overall pick on a guy. You want him to come in and make the plays you think he's going to make. But sometimes we don't see that. A lot of times we don't see that. And, and he's really lived up to what he thought what we thought he was going to be, what Washington thought he was going to be. He's been that guy so far, but he needs to be healthy, obviously, and get back uh, get into the into action when he can. And and the groin injury, I know, is it's a, sometimes a slow healing injury, but hopefully he's back shortly. Meanwhile, on the offensive side of the ball, Washington expecting more out of quarterback Dwayne Haskins, 15th overall pick in the 2019 draft. Last Sunday, after a four-turnover performance against the Browns, Coach Ron Rivera said, I'm not going to pull the plug just yet. Come Monday, he said, there is a point where he's had enough and he has to do something. Here's Rivera today addressing what kind of growth he needs to see from Dwayne Haskins and what it is that will constitute acceptable growth from a second-year quarterback. If, 
if all you have is the five yard gain and it's it's third and eight and all you you know then you take the five yard gain because it's all you got that's growth to me that's a, that's understanding what i have not forcing the ball that's what i'm looking for control um of the huddle control of the situation understanding the circumstance i mean all those things when you watch the tape you know those playing in my mind as i'm watching is is he aware of what the circumstances are you aware where the down and distance is he aware that we're in field goal range all those things are important to tell me that he's growing you know we saw so much of it early on and then we've kind of regressed a little bit so we want to see him kick started get it going back again shereen here's the key for sunday at about 11:30 a.m eastern when the inactives are announced team by team if kyle allen is inactive and not alex smith that to me is the indication that ron rivera is ready potentially to act on the same gut feeling that matt nagy acted on for the bears last week and put in nick Foles and remove mitchell trubisky i think alex smith is the key i think if they're going to bench dwayne haskins it is going to be the latest chapter in the Disney movie come to life that is Alex Smith. But meanwhile, Dwayne Haskins, with all that talk in the offseason, and remember, Ron Rivera was very ambivalent about Haskins at first. And I thought he was maybe trying to push his buttons a little bit to get him to recommit. And he shows up looking like a different guy. He's in great shape. All this praise about the work he's put in. Week one, he gives the stirring speech at halftime. They come back and they beat the Eagles. Since then, not so good. And Look, if you don't protect the football on a regular basis, you can't play quarterback in the NFL. They'll find somebody who can. You give away too many points if you have too many interceptions and fumbles. Four total turnovers again last week. I really am curious to see if they're thinking about taking him out. And I think if Alex Smith dresses on Sunday, that's the clearest sign yet that we could see a quarterback change. Uh, Mike, first of all, it's great to see Ron Rivera back. You know, he's going through those chemotherapy treatments and he missed Wednesday and Left early Thursday, really feeling the effects. And so he's back at practice today. We'll coach on Sunday, or that is the plan right now. So nice to see him back. But, yes, he's got a quarterback problem on his hands because Haskins is not playing uh, as he should be in his second season. He's not taking that next step, as we've seen many second-year quarterbacks take. And you hope he takes that step. But so far, haven't seen it. He looked great in the last six quarters he played of the 2019 season. Of course, was hurt late in the year but the last six quarters he played he looked really good and he just hasn't built on that just the continuity hasn't been there and and to take that next step and they need him to do that this game could get out of hand really quickly and and we could see ron rivera make a change at quarterback if it does get out of hand quickly and just see what he's got behind him because the time has come for Dwayne haskins either to do what they think he's going to do and be that franchise quarterback or go sit on the bench for a while and watch somebody else do it. Yeah, I think if the Ravens had won on Monday night, it would have gotten out of hand quickly. What I'm concerned about is will the Ravens get that swagger back or have they been knocked wobbly by the reminder that no matter what they do, there's a team in the AFC that they're going to have to deal with that they can't quite figure out how to beat. As Lamar Jackson said, they are the Ravens kryptonite we're going to take a break when we return what we can't wait to see our weekly friday feature as we get you ready for a full sunday of nfl action we'll be back with more pft pm right after this the tough times have really you know they're not fun but they equip you for what's ahead as long as you approach it with the right heart um definitely not easy but I think what Frank's trying to say is um, I've been very blessed throughout my life um, whenever I've had tough times or had trials to not only have my faith there to grow from, but to have people like Frank and other people to lift me up and be there for me. And, uh, and I can do that to, uh, for others as well. And that's really why I play the game is you get an opportunity to instill confidence and calmness with your teammates and your coaches um, in a chaotic moment. And uh, that's just something throughout the years, going through trials, going through tough times, and uh, that is just equipped. And, you know, it's, it's never fun to go through those tough times, but it's a big reason while stepping in those moments that I just don't worry about it too much. I just go out there and be fearless as, as much as I can be. 
The Frank to whom Nick Foles refers is Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts. That adds a little spice to this game. Foles' first start as a member of the Bears comes against the Colts team led by Reich, who was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia when Foles led the Eagles to an unlikely, maybe one of the most unlikely Super Bowl wins we've seen in recent years. So Foles and Reich get together this weekend. What we can't wait to see, Shereen, I have a feeling that one of the things you can't wait to see has something to do with that game. How about that? Yes, it is. How about the Philly special? Can't wait to see a Philly special. Wouldn't that be pretty special to, uh, I guess you'd have to change the name of it, right? To maybe the Chicago special, whatever, but yeah, Nick Foles makes his first season, uh, first start with the bears in, in his career. He's never started more than 11 games in a season that, that came back in 2015 uh, when he made 11 starts. So he's not a starting quarterback per se. It's the reason he's been with five different teams. I would say he's probably he and Earl Morrill are the two greatest backup quarterbacks in NFL history. One has an NFL MVP award as a backup quarterback. That was Earl Morrill. And the other one has a Super Bowl MVP, of course, and that's Nick Foles. But he looked, he did what Nick Foles does in the fourth quarter of that game the other day. Led him back from 20 points down, 16 to 29, 188 yards, three touchdowns. And the interception was really a 50-50 ball, but just... Played great as a backup quarterback. Can he step in, though, Mike, and do it as a starting quarterback game after game after game? And that's we, we, never, we didn't see that at Philadelphia. We saw it after Carson Wentz got hurt in little spurts. You know, and as I'm sitting here scanning my memory bank over the years, there technically is another backup quarterback who was the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I don't. Kurt Warner. He was the backup. Oh, Kurt Warner, yeah, that's good. Right? Uh, Trent he, Green got I, hurt. Right. Yeah. I, I I remember Dick Vermeil crying at a press conference. Of course, that would be any Dick Vermeil press conference, all due respect. But I'm thinking, who the hell is this guy? Wait, he had a cup of coffee with the Packers. He played for the Iowa frickin' Barnstormers. He played in the World League or whatever name it was going by at the time. Yes, NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, the last guy. To do the double dip in 1999, no NFL MVP and regular season Super Bowl MVP uh, together. All right, that's a good one. And, you know, the other thing I like about that game, Shereen, everything Foles does well for the Bears is going to put more pressure on the Eagles because it's going to dust off that question of whether or not they picked the wrong guy after the 2018 season, whether they gave Carson Wentz a contract they shouldn't have, whether they should have rode with Foles instead of Carson Wentz. And I think that's part of this institutional stress that we see from the Eagles each and every week. Yeah, no question about it. And here's a question for you, Mike. What do the Bears do going forward for a franchise quarterback. Okay, it's not Mitchell Trubisky. He probably leaves after this year. It's probably not Nick Foles. I mean, we just stated that he's really a backup quarterback. What do the Bears do? Do they go draft a guy and and that's their quarterback of the future and you go with Nick Foles last year? They think they're a good team, but this to me puts them in a huge quandary for the future, not for this season necessarily, but for the future for sure. Good Lord, the next time the Bears are in a position to draft the quarterback, they knew the need to do the George Costanza thing. Don't take the guy you want. Take the next guy and everything will work out just fine. Uh, I, speaking of a quarterback that has worked out just fine so far for the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray disappointed me last week. And, and I always get a little pissy, frankly. I, can I say pissy? I guess I can say pissy. When a guy, I, I, I said it twice. I said it three times. I'll say it again. Pissy. I get pissy. Four. When a, a, a team that I think is going to win easily loses. Because I want to be right. That's all I really care about. I don't care who wins or loses. I just want to be right. And to have the Lions go in, especially with Sims makes it one of his best bets of the week, and he's all, you know, puffing his chest out that he got it right. Come on, Kyler Murray. These are the Lions, for crying out loud. And I'm a firm believer that the hallmark of a good team is you never lose to a bad team. You never stub your toe and fall down the steps against a team you should beat. So I want to see this week. I can't wait to see this week if Kyler Murray can go into Carolina and win a game that the Cardinals should win, that Kyler Murray should do well in, that Kyler Murray should not throw three interceptions in. I want to see Kyler Murray bounce back in a game that all of a sudden the Cardinals have to have. Yeah, and maybe this is the kryptonite, Mike, that that we haven't seen before uh, for Kyler Murray because what the Lions did, and we know this is a copycat league, they kept him in the pocket. He only had five rushes. 
and one was for a touchdown. We saw that play as one of the most brilliant plays of this season, uh, O'Connor Murray's touchdown run. But they kept him in the pocket, and they forced him to throw. Now, he said this week, I'm very much looking forward to teams doing this same thing because I think I can sit in the pocket and be a pocket passer and, and throw the ball down the field. There is a question, though. DeAndre Hopkins is questionable for this game. Uh, he has an ankle injury, so he, he we know how much he's fallen in love with DeAndre Hopkins, so he really needs Hopkins out there uh, to get this offense going. The the Obviously, the opponent is a little bit lesser opponent maybe than he saw last week, but Matt Rule played against Kyler Murray in college, coached at Baylor, and, and Kyler Murray ran over Matt Rule's Baylor team, so... Hopefully we see another game like that with Kyler Murray because that's kind of what you expect him to do against this defense. And if you haven't seen the touchdown run that he had against the Lions, go watch it. It looks like not one but two Madden glitches. The way that he moves, it's uncanny. And you're right, he needs to find a way to do it. And I've seen him, like against the 49ers, he, he doesn't necessarily have to leave the pocket left or right. He just has a crack, and it doesn't have to be a very big crack because he's not very big. Slip right through it, and he's gone. And look, regardless of what they try to do to keep him in the pocket, that's the thing. This guy can zip around anyone, and we may see plenty of that. I want to see what we see. Can, can they beat a team they should beat, or are they going to fall to 2-2 two and two and just be kind of mediocre and start to fade into the back of a very tough division, the NFC West? All right, Shereen, what, what else do you want to see this weekend? Well, Mike, I live about three miles as the crow flies from AT&T Stadium, and that would be east of here. And then south of here, about three miles, is where Miles Garrett grew up. So he grew up in Arlington, right down the street from AT&T Stadium. He said today he thinks he's played there four times. That's high school and college at Texas A&M. And so he gets to come home and face Dak Prescott. And he could be facing a offensive line that's been decimated by injury Tyron Smith is questionable to play we know they won't have Lyle Collins on the right side of that line and the the Browns are without a couple guys or could be without a couple guys Adrian Claiborne who Cowboys quake in their boots when they hear the name Adrian Claiborne is out so they're thrilled <laughs> with that as you remember he had the six sacks when he got to face Chaz Green and then Olivier Vernon is questionable right now but you know, Miles and Alden Smith going at it. I just think that's going to be fun to watch who can get after the quarterback the most on Sunday. And Alden Smith has just been phenomenal. He should have been the week three NFC defensive player of the week. He should have been the September NFC defensive player of the month. He doesn't care. His response uh, when we reached out to get his reaction to being snubbed for the Defensive Player of the Month award was, we just have to win football games. And they do. They're one and two. You get a force like that, on your pass rush, you need to find a way to win football games. And you know, the other homecoming, Baker Mayfield back in yeah, Texas, right. Baker Mayfield. And for him and for Miles Garrett, if they stay with the Browns, and we know Miles Garrett signed to a five year extension, Baker Mayfield, unless the bottom falls out, will be the Browns quarterback. You're only going to be in Dallas once every eight years. So you need to make the right. most out of it. That could, that's one of those, this could be a sneaky great game at one o'clock Eastern on on Sunday when the Browns and the Cowboys play. All right, I can't wait to see if the Ravens can shake off what happened to them on Monday night. I alluded to this earlier, but when I talked to John Harbaugh after they beat the Browns week one, I wanted to know what he did to get his players to forget about last year because I just assume that's what every coach does because Bill Belichick does it. If Bill Belichick does it, everybody does it. And we know that Belichick, regardless of what happens, win the Super Bowl, lose the Super Bowl, don't get to the Super Bowl, don't make the playoffs, lose in the first round of the playoffs, whatever the case may be, you forget about last year. Last year doesn't matter anymore. We've closed the book on it. We're moving forward, and our focus is our next game and nothing more. Harbaugh told me our guys are talking about last year. That's their standard. That's what they're living up to. Well, when you have a game like the one we saw Monday night where it's clear you're not living up to your standard from last year, you're not better than you were last year because last year you couldn't beat the Chiefs and this year you can't beat the Chiefs, what does that do to you psychologically? How do you recover from that when you know that no matter what you do, there's an ass-kicking waiting for you at the end of the road? in the playoffs against the Chiefs unless you get lucky and there's a fluke injury. And 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 look, no one's going to say, well, what's the point? But at some level, they have to push that down. You have to fight that sense because that's human nature, folks. At some level, key members of that organization in the aftermath of that game, especially Lamar Jackson, who said they're our kryptonite. Shereen, 
they, they have to push away that human reaction of what's the point? And I want to see if they can do it. If they blow out Washington, they can do it. If they don't cover the 13-point spread or lose straight out, maybe they can't do it. And I say that because last year when they lost to the Chiefs week three, what happened? The next week they came home and the Browns beat them in Baltimore. So they need to be on guard because there may be a letdown after losing a game that they fully thought they'd win on Monday night. Yeah, Mike, you know how you said you were mad at Kyler Murray because you picked the Cardinals to win and thought the I'm mad at the Ravens. I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. The last time I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, they won the Super Bowl. So I'm mad at the Ravens. I thought they were the best team with the best roster coming into the season. I know what the Chiefs have. It's hard to repeat. It's hard to get there the first time and win it. It's harder to repeat. So I really like the Ravens to, to win the AFC. After what I saw Monday night, they got no chance to win the AFC. They were not good in that game, and they made it closer in the second half than what it was. I mean, they got kicked all over the field, and they've got a long way to go and got to figure out some answers and the, the answer to the kryptonite if they're going to get to the Chiefs level. They did not look good, and so they need to go out and prove that they can beat everybody else, and maybe there's a Tennessee Titans team that's waiting for the Chiefs and going to upset the Chiefs in week one of the, of the postseason, whenever the Chiefs' first game is, that they beat them and they don't have to play the Chiefs. That's always possible. But I, the Chiefs are going to have, obviously, the psychological advantage in any game that the Chiefs and Ravens play but the Ravens can't worry about the Chiefs now they got to go out and take care of business maybe they get home field advantage maybe fans are back in the stands for the playoffs all of those things maybe they can get past their Titans in the first round of the playoffs but they've got to go win this game and win it big and prove they are who we think they are Shereen there's another desperate team in the NFC that you can't wait to see what they do this weekend on one specific topic in particular are we talking? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Are we talking about I'm, Taysom Hill? I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about the New Orleans Saints. Are they desperate? Well, I, they are desperate. Absolutely, they're desperate. And desperate times call for desperate measures. And that would be un, taking the bubble wrap off of Taysom Hill, which they haven't done. And we've talked about it for weeks now. When are we going to see Taysom Hill? When are we going to see Taysom Hill? We haven't seen him. We haven't seen them use him like they did last season. He's just not playing very many snaps. He's thrown one pass. It was for a 38-yard completion, but that's about all they've done with him. He's played 44 offensive snaps and 22 special team snaps. That's 23% of the offense, 24% of the of the special team snaps. They're not using him on special teams. They're not using him on offense. I want to see Taysom Hill. I want to see the ball in his hands. I want to see what he can do throwing passes. Whatever you have to do, Sean Payton, I want to see Taysom Hill this week for a desperate team in need of a victory. It's time to take the bubble wrap off. Let me echo something we said earlier this week on PFT Live because I firmly believe this. Number one, I think one of the reasons why his reps are down is because they're spending time trying to develop him to play quarterback. In the event Drew Brees gets injured, he'll be the guy who plays, not Jameis Winston. And next year, he'll be the guy if Drew Brees doesn't come back. But I don't like the cameo appearances. You either need to use him like you did against the Vikings in the playoffs or just make him the backup quarterback. Don't do these limited opportunities because what it does when he when he gets the ball in his hands, I think he tries to do too much. And that may have contributed to the fumble. It puts too much pressure on him. Make him a full part of the offense or make him your backup and give him a clipboard and let him stay there. But don't do this sprinkle. It's got to be more or nothing at all, Shereen. I firmly believe that. They need to pick a lane here. This halfway nonsense is not good for Taysom Hill, and it's not good for the perception as to whether or not they're getting value for Taysom Hill's contract. Yeah, and Mike, you've talked about this a lot, that in that playoff game against the Vikings, he was the best player on the field. He's capable of doing that game after game after game. But you have to decide what you want him to be. Do you just want him to be in your quarterback's room getting ready for 2021 uh, to be your quarterback? Or do you want him going to special teams meetings, going to running backs meetings, going to receiver meetings? Whatever meetings he goes to or he did last year, you have to decide what you want him to be. But you're right. I think this just sprinkling men, playing him a little bit, is just not working for the Saints. It's not working for him, and it's not working for the Saints. I will say this, though. If Zadarius Smith doesn't freeze Taysom Hill with that read option and, and, and not commit to Latavius Murray 
Taysom Hill would have been gone on that play. So it's close to breaking, and what a difference the outcome of the game would have been if Zadarius Smith, that's the play of the game. If Zadarius Smith doesn't stay home, if he crashes down, Taysom Hill's gone, and maybe the Saints are 2-1 and one right now instead of 1-2. and two. All right, we're gone, but just for a minute, we're going to answer some of your questions and wrap up this Friday edition of PFTPM right after this. Sam Darnold took a wicked hit last night, thrown into the turf, left the game for a little bit, came back and played after the game in which he completed 23 of 42 passes for 230 yards. Coach Adam Gase said he's got a shoulder injury. Today, Gase said that he could miss some time with that shoulder injury, which opens the door for Joe Flacco. And Shereen, look, when you consider how desperate this team is, if Flacco stabilizes thing, if he gets some wins and you look at their schedule, there aren't many obvious wins lurking between now and the bye week. Could Flacco take the job from Darnold? Does Flacco want the job from Darnold? That would be my question. This is such a bad team. I mean, I thought they were going to win this game yesterday, and when they lost the game, I'm like, man, this really looks like an 0-16 team to me. I mean, the offensive line's bad. The receivers are bad. I just I, – I don't know if you want that job as Joe Flacco. I mean, and, and I know you want to play, which, by the way, yesterday was the first time he's ever come in as a backup quarterback in his career. I think 171 starts uh, that he made previously. But, yeah, he could – at least they have a backup quarterback option there if they want to play Joe Flacco and see what they have in him. I mean, I, I was impressed – that Sam Darnold came back after that hit. I didn't think we were going to see him again. I thought it was a really serious injury. I still think it's pretty serious, but for him to come in, I'm sure he got shot up, but gutted out like he did. That was the most impressive thing, but he's not winning games and he's not doing really what you need him uh, to do going forward to know that he's your franchise quarterback. Joe Flacco was supposed to be the backup all year long when he was a rookie in 2008. Do you remember why he ended up playing? No, who got hurt? Troy Smith had tonsillitis in the preseason. That opened the door for Joe Flacco to prove that he could protect himself behind an offensive line that they were concerned wasn't good enough to protect their investment, so they weren't going to play him that year. Troy Smith has tonsillitis. They like what they see from Joe Flacco, and he was never a backup at any time during his tenure with the Ravens. All right, uh, Daniil Hunter. Vikings defensive end throughout training camp and Shereen you and I both have a ton of respect for Mike Zimmer but part of playing this game of chess that is being a head coach and protecting information all we heard about Hunter is he's got a tweak he's got a tweak he's got a tweak then he lands on injured reserve and we don't hear anything now he's got a cervical spine disc herniation that is one hell of a tweak <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, Mike Zimmer was asked today because Mike Zimmer volunteered that Daniel Hunter was headed to New York for a second opinion. And, th and then the follow-up was, well, we've heard it was a neck injury. Is it a neck injury? And he said, I don't know. Now, you know good and well Mike Zimmer knows what the injury is. He knows why Daniel Hunter's going to New York. He just didn't want to reveal that information. And you throw in general manager Rick Spielman saying when – Daniel Hunter went on injury reserve. Oh, we think it's going to be a short injury. He'll be back after three games. And now here we sit wondering if we're even going to see Hunter at all this year. This is a guy that's played every game over the last four years. He's been really, really healthy. And now here we go wondering, is he coming back this year? I wonder if Yannick Ngakwe would have agreed to take only $12 million from the Vikings if he had known the whole story on Daniel Hunter. And that's one of the reasons why, look, Success on a football field is often premised on successfully deceiving the opponent, and it extends beyond the football field. And I, that's a polite way of saying they all lie tactically from time <laughs> to time. And they, they withheld the truth here, and they had reasons for it. And uh, we'll see what happens with Danielle Hunter. The Titans situation, and look, for those of you out there who don't want to hear about COVID-19, even though it's an important topic in the NFL, it's 51 minutes after the hour. We're only addressing it now. But two more Titans have tested positive. We're still in the potential, not middle, but close to the end of the cascade of daily positives as incubation periods expire and people either do or don't test positive. But we know that the Steelers and Titans will be playing week seven, assuming there isn't an extended outbreak or a fresh outbreak. Uh, that's good news if they can pull it off. But, uh, you know, Shireen, we still don't know how deep this rabbit hole has gone with the Titans. We still don't know that the outbreak is over or ending anytime soon. And now we got to start thinking about 
Week five, Buffalo Bills coming to town. Will the Titans be able to prepare for that game? Yeah, will they be able to prepare, first of all? And second of all, how many of those players who are now on the COVID list are going to be out for that game? Probably all of them, I would think. And now we have a big name on the list, Adam Humphreys. There were a lot of guys on there. You're like, okay, who's that guy? All right, who's that guy? But now you're getting into name-type players, and there may be more cases to come. We don't know. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting week for the Titans as we move forward and, and see what transpires over the next few days. They just seem to keep coming, but hopefully we're at the end of this period where we don't see any more positive cases. And let me just say this. Now is the time for the NFL and the NFL Players Association to be proactive for whatever reason. And I've been following this sport every day for years and i've been doing it professionally for somewhere between 10 and 15 every single day 20 since i started the website the nfl notoriously fails to be proactive this is the time for the league and the union to get together and i firmly believe shireen before we wait for the next outbreak get every team into a hotel hotel practice hotel practice hotel airport hotel in other city stadium Airport, hotel, very limited range of movement for everyone connected to the team. That's the only way to have confidence we're going to get all these games in, Shireen. The only good thing is we have not seen a positive test in baseball over the last 30 days. I think that's great news that they might be able to do it this way, but they do need to be proactive other than just sending a memo and say, hey, you're wearing masks at practice. Hey, you're wearing gloves at practice. Yeah, and they need to clunk some heads together because that thing we saw from the Raiders on Monday night <laughs> yeah. continues to be stunning to me. And I've been kind of holding my breath all week for news that some of those players are going to end up testing positive. And with the incubation period, right, it could still happen. Who knows? It could happen this this weekend. So, uh, we, look, we, we all want the games to be played. But but I believe that the, and, and the union needs to work with the league here. Because the players lose their game checks, Shireen, if games are missed. That's the one thing the union needs to understand. And I hope the players understand it, too. If games can't be made up, those, those paychecks go away forever. We want to see football. So do the right thing and act out the way you're supposed to be acting and stay out of the public. All those are really easy things to do. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Stay home. It's very easy to do. And uh, hopefully what's happened this week will be the thing that gets everyone's attention and they'll start doing what they need to do. What we need to do is shut up. The show is over. We'll be back Monday with PFTPM, PFT Live, and all weekend long you can read our content at ProFootballTalk.com. Enjoy the games. Have a great weekend. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.